Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again. Um, my name is Steve Warner, and I, I serve here as the lead pastor, and certainly in our pre-service meeting we typically have, we, we talk about the things to come, and then we spend some time in prayer, and I want you to know that, uh, that the time and energy has gone into preparing for this week uh, is uh, incalculable as far as the volunteers and everybody who has taken time to, to put things together, but also in prayer, just that God would lead and guide this morning. Um, I can tell you this. When I was in, in school, and I was in high school, I remember one day visiting a local school by invitation of, of a teacher there. Uh, it was a private school, and they were attempting to try to see if it was a place when I'd like to go. And I remember going to that school, and I remember being there during the day, and I remember not knowing where to go, not knowing the building very well. I remember kind of going from one thing to the next, not really knowing the rhythm of what it was all about. And I kind of felt out of place. I felt kind of lost that I didn't know what to do and where to go. And I can say right now that certainly probably some of you are in that boat, right? You don't come to church often. Maybe this is your first time being here and you might seem or feel lost. And here's the reality of it. Sometimes what happens when we get distracted by those types of things, we miss out on what God has for us. And so I want to encourage you, particularly if you're a guest here today, I want to encourage you to just push in a little bit. Just kind of relax. There's no spotlight on you. There's no expectation of you. I, I want this service to be a gift to you. And in fact, we have a gift for you as well. If you fill out a connect card or a connection card and take it to the info center, we'd love to give you a gift as well. But I want to say formally from, from myself and the rest of our church, welcome. We are glad you're here. As we walk through this week, or as we walk through the nature of what this week represents, certainly it is uh, monumental in the, the Christian faith and the understanding of what we do and what we're about. And I'm going to just say this, as we've led up to this, I have a quick pop quiz today. We're not going to grade on a curve. In fact, this is a pass-fail type situation. And if I just addressed you as a, get, as a guest a second ago, you're off the hook for this one because this is homework from last week. If you remember the big thought last week, it went something like this. It's not about me. Anybody remember that? So how many of you failed or passed this past week? Anybody <laughs> want to come clean or at least share in their victory? Certainly, I know just as well as you do that this phrase and even this perspective, it's not about me, can be a tough one, particularly when we're trying to live it out because the evil one will throw things at us. My mom actually sent me a picture of the book I talked about last week, the, uh, the, the, the book of manners and the picture of the me first guy that wanted to do everything first that I talked about. And I couldn't help but, but reflect upon with a smile at first and a little bit of a laugh and then almost a tear because of the fact that I thought, wow, that really truly is the perspective of many, the perspective of this world. And Christ had the opposite. For Christ, he was countercultural. He pushed in and said, it's not about me. It's about what the Father has for me. It's about the people that I come to save, the, com the people that I come to, to live for, to die for, and to resurrect for. It's the fact that he came in his greatness and said, it's not about me. 
And that moment in history that has so many implications for us today, in fact, gives us spiritual life is what we celebrate in this moment. I let you get warmed up earlier, and I know you're going to want to participate in the service today, so let's go ahead and practice. He is risen. He is risen All right. If you don't know the line, you've got it now. So there you go as you move forward. Well, today we're going to look specifically at what it means to give up death. And Jesus, certainly as we complete this series, Jesus detailed what that actually looked like. But it wasn't something that was done in a vacuum a long time ago, and that was the end of it. Instead, he calls us to join him in this concept, in this action, and specifically in a spiritual context, in a way where we don't necessarily look at it in a physical way like like he represented or like he demonstrated, but we do so in a spiritual way. John's gospel, in fact, uh, details specifically what took place, narrated what took place the week of, of, of Jesus' passion, and specifically shared what happened during and after <clears throat> Good Friday and beyond. In fact, he gives a great detail about what happened on Easter or Resurrection Sunday. John does well to to create the setting of this historical account by allowing the the reader to kind of engage and to hear exactly what happened. He clarifies key responses of what the the individuals did as they they found out about Jesus' actions and at the same time as they responded to them. Another call that is given not just for them but also for us. This passage comes on the heels, specifically John chapter 20, on the heels of a terrible lack of justice, of an awful death, that of Jesus. And says, to start off with, in verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Now get this, those that are there, and and, and certainly if you were able to kind of put yourself in this frame of mind yesterday, they recognized that the Savior of the world, the one they'd been waiting for, was literally dead and in a tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Already there's something to learn specifically about how we respond to the day, how we respond to every day. In fact, I'll reread that specifically. It says, early on the first day of the week, she started her day with a bowl of Wheaties. Oh, that's not in there. I'm I'm sorry. Hopefully you're following along. You can catch me on that. No, it says she rolled out of bed and hit the snooze alarm. Missed sunrise service, right? No, it says she actually, she woke up for a moment, caught her, her, her mind, got everything together, and then began to scroll through her social media feeds. I'm going to get it right eventually. It says she woke up and watched the news and to see how the media would spin this death of Jesus. I keep looking down as if it's right here. It's not here. I'm, I'm not reading it out of here. Or perhaps it says that she got up joyless, with no purpose, empty, in despair, with no desire to go about the day except just to go and to wander. And no one saw her, no one cared, no one looked after her, no one gave her hope. She got up early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. And Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. 
Why is this so important, this start to this chapter? Why did John give this specific detail? It's because in the darkness, or in her darkness, Mary sought out Jesus. In fact, if you're taking notes, the first point is this. Seek him in the darkness. The the response that Mary had in recognizing that she was in the darkest place of her life, in the darkest day or on the darkest day that, that, that could have been for them, the darkest weekend, the darkest action that could have ever taken place, she sought out Jesus. I wouldn't be far off, I don't believe, to assume that in a a room this size, there's quite a few people who've experienced a difficult moment this week, this month, this year. Perhaps a moment of darkness. Perhaps you suffered a loss or discouraged a setback. Perhaps you were given a difficult diagnosis. Maybe you're gripped by fear or anxiety or even depression. Maybe you had a week or a month or a year to forget. Maybe Good Friday had the same ironic outcome for you during this past Holy Week that it did for the Apostle Jesus. In fact, when we look at Good Friday, there wasn't necessarily much good about it. Instead, it was about suffering. It was about living in despair. Perhaps you're here by invitation of a loved one, or perhaps you're here because this is what you're supposed to do on Easter Sunday. And after all, this is when I finally get to use that tie that I got for Father's Day. And so I'll go to church and you're here for whatever reason. And and regardless of, of, of what was supposed to happen during this service, you reflect back now as we read about Mary and you think, wow, there was or there is a difficult season of darkness that I walked through or that I have walked through this year. Regardless of the reason that you're here, let me tell you, you're here on purpose. God has ordained this moment. He has granted you this invitation. You have received it. And as you come to this place or you join online, recognize this. You can be encouraged by Mary's actions and the outcome of it. Because even in the darkness, even as she went to this place, it wasn't over yet. In fact, what she found, the empty tomb, was what brings forth some of the hope to which we can experience and which we can walk through. Seek him in the darkness. Mary started the day in darkness and the early of the morning seeking God. And you know why? Because she only, uh, she only had this, this thought. He, Jesus, in her life and in his life, he, Jesus, was the only one, the only one that could heal her. When no one else could. She went and sought Jesus because he was the only one that could forgive her and grant forgiveness for her sin when no one else could. He was the only one who literally saw her, who literally would look at her and didn't see the disdain or the sinful person. Instead, he saw the spirit, the the person that was created eternally and expressed love to her even in her circumstances. She went and sought him in the darkness because he was the only one who could make her new. And here's the deal. He can and he will do the same for you. If you're here today and you're walking through a season of darkness, the call is clear. The demonstration has been granted. Mary has stated this because of her experience. And perhaps you haven't experienced the same goodness of God that she had experienced at that point. But let me just tell you, Seek him in the darkness because he can and he will 
make you new. As I was preparing for this, this sermon earlier in the week, I was sitting and I, I would often pause and sit back and kind of think about the text and allow God just to speak uh, what he would have me to say. And I, I, I had this flip book moment. Perhaps you've had those before, a moment where things flash before your eyes. And I just had this moment where I was sitting and pondering on who God is and what he's done and thinking about our church, our family. And you know, uh, certainly many of you know people around you, maybe within your own family or within the context of the church who are walking through difficult times, who have walked through difficult times. And it was like God brought this flip book moment in my mind where just faces came to mind just over and over and over again. And I couldn't help but realize that in many of those situations, the more I reflected upon those moments in time, those, those different losses throughout the year, the different things that had happened, that in every one of them, God brought redemption. And oftentimes the reason for that is because we allow him to, we turn it over to him, we give it to him, but we, we don't necessarily sit back, but we seek him in the darkness. As the passage continues, it does give a little bit more information regarding what it means to seek him in the darkness. Perhaps for the doubter among us right now, there's this recognition that as John writes this, already you're starting to think, okay, well, did Jesus actually die? Was it a different person? You know, who, who rented the equipment to move this stone out of the way? Obviously, something had to happen for this whole thing to work because there's no way that Jesus literally rose from the dead. I recognize that many of us, uh, you know, others, that, that questions that we might have might bring us to a place where we, we don't fully understand. And certainly we've talked about apologetics here. We've had classes here at the church in the past, and I've preached about it from the platform. But Luke does a wonderful job, in fact, uh, in his gospel, setting the table to provide the, the, the gospel for us in recognition of who God is and what he's done through the person of Jesus. John embraces these truths as well, and his as he brings proof to the, to the forefront, but he always helps us to recognize that telling the story is more than just facts, but it's also about faith. Verse 2 picks up, it says, So she came running, this is after Mary found the empty tomb, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and, and reached the tomb first. And so there's this track meet that breaks out, and they're going to see this empty tomb. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And so there we see Peter at the, 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 the opening, the door of the tomb. He's looking in. He sees that Jesus isn't there. He only sees the garments that, that were uh, actually part of the prophecy that were going to be wrapped around the Savior. And, and, and he looks in. And then, and then Simon Peter came along beside her. John, excuse me. Simon Peter now comes along beside him and went straight into the tomb. As if to say, I'm not waiting around outside. I want to step in here. I want to see what's going on. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And the cloth that's still lying in its place separated from the linen. And then finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And get this. Don't lose this last part of verse 8. It says this. He saw and believed. Now, can I ask the question for just a moment? What exactly did he see? 
What exactly did he see? You know, often we might hear uh, thoughts or you might even have thoughts about the disciples and think, well, they walked with Jesus. So it was easy for them to believe. Well, in this certain instance, they go into the tomb and here the response isn't, there's Jesus, I believe. The response actually is, there is no Jesus and I believe. And the core of this that's so exciting, first and foremost, is this. The tomb was empty and it's still empty today. If you were to go to this place, in this, this exact place where Mary was, and then Peter and John, they go into this tomb, they see this place, there is no burial. There is no, there, there's no, there's no pile of bones there. Instead, the tomb is empty. But make special note of this, it was empty then in that moment, and as it continues to be empty, John did not believe because, because of what he did see, he believed, and because of what he did not see. Don't just exercise faith in his absence. In fact, the second point is this, exercise faith because of his absence. The reality is Jesus is not walking through the grocery stores with us. He is not here in physical form. He's not sitting in the service in a physical form. The Holy Spirit is here. Yes, God is with us, but Jesus in bodily form is not here. And that should grant more faith because of the recognition of what Scripture says. He died, he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 reads like this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. John also captures this conversation earlier on in his gospel that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders. And they talk about this thing called wind. They talk about this, this understanding of faith and the fact that sometimes the gift of the Holy Spirit is not something that's seen, but instead it's something that's received. And we cha we're changed, we're transformed within that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've experienced this. You know how God can transform you from the inside out through the works of the Holy Spirit exercising faith because of his absence. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes Jesus' absence bearable, in fact. And we read about that in Acts. And I want to encourage you now in this kind of announcement moment, next, next series we're going to walk through is called the, the Revival Starts Here. And the reality of the revival starting here is the fact that it doesn't just start in this room. It starts here in our hearts. And as we study, we're going to study through the, the, the different stories in Scripture, the different uh, historical accounts of Scripture of where revival took place in Scripture and how it transformed the lives of those that were around and the impact that that had. And so as we look specifically at this, we recognize that the Holy Spirit is present and in His time brings revival. And even in this moment, He was bringing revival, the gift of the Holy Spirit, alive and present with us. Here are Jesus' words as John recorded them in John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You will not always be able to see him, but honestly, his physical absence is actually proof. Don't just exercise faith in his absence. Exercise faith because of his absence. Then the text continues, and certainly there's still a lot of confusion, and we're going to uh, kind of draw into that confusion. We're going to push into that confusion now, because perhaps there is a, a confusion within you as it, as it uh, pertains to a response to the Holy Spirit and what God might be calling for you to do, how he might be meeting you in the darkness. In verse 11 and, and beyond, it reads like this, now, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated with Jesus' body, where Jesus' had body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Her response here is this, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking she was, thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. You see, Mary was distraught. Mary was filled with, 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 with discouragement and darkness because of the fact that she, she came to a place where she was trying to seek out Jesus and it appeared that he was gone, that he was not present, that he was not around. And it's possible that, that she had faith, but probable that, that she was overwhelmed by the discouragement and the loss that she had just suffered over the course of the last several, several days. Her physical vision was clouded, and right there Jesus was talking to her, right in front of her, and she didn't even recognize him. She was, her spirit was distracted by the things around her. Just recently, my, my boys have started to watch uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, which I remember watching those when I was younger, and it's the same thing over and over again. The person not paying attention gets hit in the head. That's what happens. Well, can I tell you right now that this, this person, so to speak, being distracted, not paying attention, Mary crying and looking at her own circumstances, looking at the things around her, is distracted, discouraged, and all of a sudden this one main thing, Jesus, the presence of Jesus hits her in the head. Sadly, what happens spiritually, I think, sometimes for us is we allow the, the temporary things of life, the distractions, the discouragement, the talk, the things around us to cloud our eternal power, the eternal power that God gives us. The eternal life that only he can give. And the call is true. The call is real. The call is direct right here from Mary. Don't allow your circumstances to keep you from seeing Jesus. In fact, don't allow your conditions. Don't allow your surrounding. Don't allow your position. Don't allow your setting. Don't allow your status. Don't allow your situation. Don't allow your context to keep you from seeing Jesus. Don't allow doubt. Push into doubt. Allow God to prevail, to prevail and reveal himself through doubt. Don't allow your bitterness, your frustration towards God not showing up the way you wanted him to or in the timing you wanted him to or your bitterness in another person because they didn't come through the way that you wanted them to. Don't allow someone else's actions to keep you from coming into contact or seeing Jesus. Don't allow your pride. Life is, can I say this? Life is too short to allow pride to keep us from doing what God wants or being able to experience God afresh and anew in a very real way. Don't allow your schedule, all the things you've got to do, all the things that demand your time, don't allow that to keep you from seeing Jesus. Don't allow any number of distractions that Satan's attempting to try to use. See, this is all about our outlook. It's all about our perspective. It's all about embracing joy, the joy of journeying with Jesus and the joy of journeying to Jesus. So let's see what happens because there is a, a, an aha moment that is about to take place and it goes like this. Jesus said to her in her moment of crying, in her moment of discouragement, in her darkest hour, Jesus said to her, Mary. He just 
says her name. He just expresses her name. He says before her, this distraught woman who is crying, who has followed him, who has been healed by him, this person who she thinks is the gardener, says her name. She's pleading to find Jesus's body. And his response is so simple. He just says her name. Just one word, Mary. And then she turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, Rabboni, which means teacher. Amazing thought that her eyes were open with just one word. Can I just tell you, Jesus knows your name. Can I tell you, God created you. He created you intentionally on purpose. He created you in his image and he knows your name and he wants to know you even more. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have been for a long time, guess what? He wants to know you more. You know just as well as I do, relationships grow. They continue to grow. They need to continue to grow. And God wants to grow with you. If you don't know Jesus at all, maybe you're, you're, you're here today and you're like, well, I'm putting in my dues for, for mom because she invited me to church today. Or, or you're here today because a neighbor or a coworker invited you. Whatever reason, today, in this moment, if you, if you know Jesus or you don't, whatever place you come in today, Jesus knows your name. And in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your search, he's here, he's ready, and he's for you. John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28 reads like this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone scratch, snatch them out of my hand. See, that's the key. This is the key to Resurrection Sunday, in fact that we trust him, that we, that we engage in him, that we celebrate him. In the midst of her despair, in the midst of the darkness, the bottom line is this. Jesus always shows up. Jesus always shows up. We may not always see him clearly or may not see him at first. We may not see him in our timing or the way that we would want it to happen. You know, we, we, we may not even know that, that, that he's there to embrace us or to, to give us the things that, that we need in our darkest hour, but Jesus always shows up. I was interacting and in, in, in ministering to a young person several years ago, and I remember sitting at a coffee shop. I remember exactly where we were as he sat there and expressed to me the fact that he'd walked through trials in his life, but he was finally ready to give it over to God. He was finally ready to allow God to embrace the darkness that he'd been holding, the things that he had thought were so important. He finally handed those over, and he let God take control, take the reins of his life. And it was an amazing moment to see Jesus show up. But what's more to that is that it wasn't just that moment in time that was just isolated from everything else. Instead, it was because of the struggle that he'd walked through that brought this opportunity for him to see light in the midst of darkness. You know, just like we, we celebrate this morning because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross on Friday, we see the light today because of the darkness of Friday. And many of you can see the light or should uh, have, or do have the opportunity to see the light today because of the darkness that you've walked through. That young person I, I worked with, he, he told me about the stories of his life before, the addictions he had, and the way that he interacted with, 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 other, uh, with, with young people. He told me about the time when he was getting ready to end his life. He'd planned everything out. He would set everything in motion. He was ready to do it. And then he decided, because of a phone call of a friend that invited him to come to a Bible study, he decided, you know what, I'm going to give it one more chance. And in the midst of his darkest hour, 
Jesus showed up. Can I tell you, we celebrate today the fact that we have a God who shows up, who hears our voice, who knows our name. We celebrate a God today who shows up in the midst of, of, of the darkness that we would maybe never imagine, in a way that we could never imagine. Jesus shows up, and he can for you today. I don't know how you came in today. Certainly this is a, a moment between you and the Spirit, and as he leads, I, I pray that you would respond in however he calls you to do so. If you want to experience him today, you certainly can. Perhaps you're in a dark place, and this is a place where you're asking for God to bring you light. Perhaps you're not seeing him because you've allowed the distractions of the things in the world around you to cloud your, your voice, to, to cloud your vision. Perhaps you've allowed your past, the consequences of your past, the actions of your past, the life circumstances to cloud your vision. But if you want to experience him today, maybe for healing, you can do that. If you want to experience him today just to receive a deeper touch, maybe you felt like you're on autopilot for a while spiritually, and you're in, God, I, I want you to, to, to really to, to, to help me to experience you in a deeper way. You can do that today. If you want to experience God and, and just be reminded of his embrace, the way that he does and will embrace us. Perhaps today you want to stand in for a loved one. You've got a loved one that's not here today. Somebody that, that couldn't be here, that lives further away. Maybe it's a loved one that, that knows Christ or a loved one that doesn't know Christ. And you want to stand in for them. This is a moment you can do that. Perhaps you want to just cry out. Cry out to him just the way that Mary was crying out to who she thought was the gardener. Cry out to the Savior and say, here I am. Christ, where are you? And he will, he will say your name. To give up death, so to speak, today is to be made new. And what we're going to do here to, to conclude this service, and typically with a, with a response song, it, it's, it's usually kind of a, a lower song, kind of a slower song. Today, it's going to be kind of a celebration because this is a celebration of coming from darkness into light. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And as we sing together, if you feel led, if you feel that God is calling you to step forward in some way to experience him afresh and anew, maybe for the first time ever, maybe for his embrace, maybe for healing, maybe for another, whatever reason it might be, if the Spirit is leading you, I want to, I want to encourage you to come forward. You can come forward. You can kneel at the altar. You can stand in the front. Maybe, maybe you want to raise a hand where you're at. Whatever that looks like for you, however God is calling you to respond physically and tangibly, this is a moment for you to say yes to God. A moment for you in your journey to experience joy, to experience his goodness, to experience only the reconciliation that God can grant. And so in this moment, may it not be one where we allow our schedule or we allow the, the things that are going on around us or we allow some other inkling or some other distraction to be the reason we don't experience it. May this be a time where we're fully open, where we say it's not about me. And we let God show up again. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we do thank you for the fact that you show up. We thank you, God, for the fact that today as we celebrate, we celebrate something that is so amazing, something that's far beyond our capacity, something, God, that we could never achieve, pay for, or earn on our own. We celebrate the fact that you have brought life where previously there was only spiritual death. And God, I lift up every person in this space, and as we sing together, may this be a time of response. May this be a time of obedience. May this be a time, God, where we just say yes to you. 
Because after all, even though we've got plans the rest of the day or this weekend or this week, maybe some have to go to work, there's just different things going on. God, in this moment, you have ordained this moment for us to respond to your goodness so that we might be changed eternally. God, we are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed this afternoon. May this be the moment where we say yes to you. May this be the moment where we go searching for you in our darkness, where we experience you in the midst of the confusion, where we allow you to show up once again in our life. God, you're always present. You're always here. It's our invitation to invite you in. We thank you, God, for who you are, for what you do. We ask God you'd move in this place and as we go from this place. In your son's name we pray. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.